I did want to say a couple things from Joni's, Pastor Joni's series on uh, Saints' Life from the Rapture on. Uh, that went on for a number of, uh, number of weeks, and, I, and I, I trust that you got at least something from it. It's at least there so you can refer to it. All the notes are there, very important for you. At least you have a perspective of what we're looking at. Isn't that right? We, you know, she took us all the way uh, to heaven and back for a thousand years. And then we started all over, so here we are. We're serving God until the end. Nobody knows the, when the end's coming. Not even, the, not even the son, not even the son of God knows when the end comes. And so let's not try to guess that. And a lot of what you get, got to hear was uh, stuff not to do and stuff to be careful of. And don't, don't fall into the ditch and the trends and the sensationalism and the emotionalism of trying to figure out end times. Uh, we have the plan. God gave it to us the way he wanted us to have it. We don't need to sort it out perfectly and start pulling out the calendar. As soon as you hear end times, folks, pulling out the calendar, you might as well just do something different. Amen. Go eat. And as soon as we've heard just too many ministers say stuff like, well, I know that no man knows the day or the hour, but I, you just ruined everything right there. I know that nobody knows, but, but I, 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 I believe that it's very possible you better just hush right there. There's no need to go further than that. That's immature preaching. And, and many have done it, and it's like, oh, my God, don't do that. But I did want to make one mention of something she had talked about. It was just kind of funny. I was thinking, I wonder how, I wonder how y'all feel about this, that you've heard of the end time wealth transfer. Have you? Have people heard about that? Yeah, she says a lot. I mean, have, you've, it's like a thing, isn't it? End time wealth transfer. That, that phrase is not even in the Bible. It's a sensational phrase that grabs attention and, and, and gets burned into your memory. The end time wealth transfer, the end time wealth transfer. The transfer of wealth, the great end-time wealth transfer. I mean, books are written on it. You can Google it. Don't Google it. You could. Entire series, entire ministries, entire television offerings have been taken for the end-time wealth transfer. Yeah, they just transferred yours to theirs. And so she put it in perspective because, it, you know, it comes from a couple scriptures uh, but the, the technical scripture is actually where the Gentiles bring the wealth into the new Jerusalem. And that does not happen until the thousand year reign of Christ. And it's commanded that all nations bring wealth to Jerusalem. Right. Has nothing to do with the church. It's the new Jerusalem. Amen. It's the city where Christians would be there. That's later. That's not now. So that's why end times gets put in there. It's going to happen later, but it's not happening now. And it's not going to be a gradual wealth coming right. to the church right. to the end. So there's Amen. just some error that's been preached out there by just elementary preaching and teaching that's not scriptural. Okay, so that phrase, that term is not scriptural. It comes from a principle that is scriptural, which says the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Do y'all want me to say a few more things about this? Uh, what do you think? She says yes. Yes, Pastor. Yes, Pastor. 
Okay. I don't want to re-preach anything she's done. I just want to uh, mention a couple things uh, because the sensational part of it, The sensational part of it causes Christians to start chasing after money, coveting money, looking for magic money. Very similar to how when prosperity began to be preached 30, 40 years ago, Christians thought, wow, all we got to do is plant seed. We can quit our jobs, hit the couch, and wait for the money tree to grow. I mean, honestly, people did that kind of stuff uh, or, or begin to claim other people's property. I claim this car and I claim that boat and I claim this land. Bible says, whatever I say. Look, you got to realize there's always going to be immature uh, understanding out there. Okay? So just be careful of that. And, and be careful not to be immature with the way you handle truth. And don't cast away all reality just because some have gone astray. So you don't throw out the whole message of wealth and prosperity just because a few are, are ridiculous in what they're saying and unscriptural. Let's get it straight. Because the Bible's very clear that, you know, God wants us to prosper and be in health. John said, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So that was written by the Holy Spirit, said by the Holy Spirit, given to the heart of a man through the, by the Holy Spirit. So let's realize that that's, that's the plan of God to save us from anything that would deter health and prosperity. Uh, Psalm 112, matter of fact, let's turn there just to, to get it in, in our heart again. But this is the type of thing that needs to be spoken in the house and said to yourself and muttered throughout the day. Something other than what are we going to do and how am I going to make it and Boy, things just aren't going well, and I'm not making any sales, and I just don't know what's going to happen at my company. And rather than all those things, you've got to say something else. Amen. And so you've got to find some scripture on it. Yeah. Psalm 112, verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Hallelujah. So be thinking about yourself as upright. You're righteous, correct? The righteous are the upright. You fear the Lord. You delight in his commandments. So you qualify. Verse 3, wealth and riches will be in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Notice that wealth and riches are supposed to be in your house. Now, we're not talking about uber riches. We're not talking about an amount. We're talking about some sort of wealth and riches. We're talking about some sort of supply of abundance. Verse six, or verse five. Okay, verse four. Until the upright there arises light in the darkness. He's gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He'll guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he'll never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He'll not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He'll not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He's dispersed abroad. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Stop there. So this is, you know, one of these promises, just from just a principle that the righteous are going to be cared for by God Amen. and abundance is part of that. Um, the, the, the scripture over in Proverbs 13, you can turn there, Proverbs 13.
Proverbs 13, verse 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Another translation says the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just or, or stored up for the righteous. So that's the, that's the principle. It's really only said in there this way one time. Uh, but it's talking about a specific, the wealth of wicked people are, is actually going to come to the righteous. Uh, and, and so if you just take a, a peek back up at verse 4, the soul of this whole, this whole proverb chapter here is talking about, it's got a, these weaved in there. Weaved, weaved in there. Uh, verse, th- verse four, the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. So you don't get rich with get rich quick schemes. And this is where Christians have gone astray. Pyramid schemes. You ever seen a pyramid scheme? Uh, it could be, you know, the, the little simple ones like uh, if you'll just send five $1 bills to five people and then they do it and they do it and they do it, uh, everybody will be millionaires. <laughs> And as a kid, you see it and you're like, wow, that sounds kind of reasonable. But as an adult that has half a brain, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, you find any pyramid business and it's not going to last long. It'll make a few people rich. It'll entice a bunch in. But eventually, it, it's not going to go anywhere because uh, the only thing that works is the business system that God created. The business system that God created is you must work and provide a service or a good to someone else. It's the, the system of exchange. I give you money or something like money. You give me something that benefits me. Now we call it even, and we've both benefited. That's the only legitimate system that God's given. No gambling, no lottery, no get rich quick, no my ship is going to come in one day. Those are myths that Christians, for some reason are the quickest to take. There's been many pastors that got themselves in trouble trying to be the top of their pyramid and tell their church to sign up for the whatever. It's like that's 101, uh, that, that disqualifies you. You sit down, you can no longer pastor until you get this figured out and then apologize to everybody. Uh, and this is where you got to be careful with, oh, well, let's invest in this stock company because it's Christian owned. Be careful of that. I've never seen that work. The latest one was, uh, this is a Christian oil company that's exploring in whatever country. And we know it's going to work because they're giving glory to God. Like that's the company I do not want to invest in. If that's the promotion of it, that is not what, that's not what causes success. Being a Christian does not cause success. Being a Christian who de- de- devotes their business to God does not cause success. Business principles cause success. Godly principles in business cause success. So you better believe highly in the character of that person and not in the, and because they got a fish on their logo. There's no magic here, okay? This is heart-to-heart connection with God. The reason that the righteous would be blessed is because they have a connection to God that's not interrupted by evil and wickedness and deterioration of heart. 
the Iraqi dinar. I have to pick on that one a little bit. That was a huge one that went through the church and is lingering in the church. The Iraqi dinar, when Iraq and the war and all that, their currency fell, and, and all of a sudden the conspiracy people came out and all of the hoodlums came out and began to promote the fact that the Iraqi dinar was going to get revalued. And at some point it's going to go from, you know, basically zero to a thousand. So the more you own, you're going to become billionaires overnight. Even trillionaires was said. And, you know, I heard about this and, and I heard Christians getting into it and spending money and buying all this currency, you know, pallets of currency in their garage type thing. And, and even preachers and pastors were doing it. And, 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 and my thought was, wait a second, wait a second. This sounds exactly like what not to do. So I looked it up. Within five minutes, I had the answers. The first question is, if this was real, how come the banks don't have all this currency? Why is it by, you know, Uncle Bob in his garage got all this extra cash laying around? Why are the financial institutions aren't hoarding this up like they do everything else? Well, that was one of the keys. But then you find out why it's not going to work like it did in Kuwait. They had all these reasons and all these, you know, gurus who are luring people in and then stringing them along. Like Friday, it's going to happen. Next month, Friday, the such and such, it's going to happen. Next Friday. Anyway, I don't want to take you through all the conspiracy nonsense that I had to deal with. And when I say deal with, I'm talking about church members. Maybe, maybe not so many in the church, but other church members. And then pastors and preacher friends. I've had to explain, it ain't going to happen. And they would look at me saying, well, that's fine. We got it covered. Ten years later, I'm like, did you sell yours yet? Did you get rid of it yet? Because it ain't worth nothing. Oh, no, no, we got it. We got it figured out. It's coming. It's coming. And they're using this part of, this part of the wealth transfer. This is what's going to make all the Christians rich just in one you know, flip of the switch. Uh, it's just immature. It's like that's, that embarrasses me. Are y'all feeling embarrassed with me? Are you like really confused? Like, what is he talking about? Good. If you do, now don't raise your hand. If you do own some Iraqi dinar currency, you can't go to the bank and sell it back. You can't go to the exchange in Memorial City and sell it back. They won't take it. So you better find somebody in their garage who will take it. There are some brokers that will still do it for a fee. You better sell what you got while you can. <clears throat> just one of the examples of uh, what not to do just because you're s sensationalized. I mean, we, we had people sell their property, sell their house. This was their retirement, you know, just ridiculous stuff like that because of the end time wealth transfer, the end time wealth transfer. This is the end time wealth transfer. You say that enough, people will start remembering it. How do I know? Because you all remembered that term. It's not even in the Bible. The principle is here in Proverbs. Uh, let's read verse 7. Proverbs 13, verse 7. There is one who makes himself rich that yet has nothing, and one who makes himself poor and has great riches. Verse 11. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. How are you going to get rich? How are you going to get wealth? 
you better be a worker. And this is why we know that the lottery is not going to work for you. Your ship's never coming in. You're never going to win the lottery. You might as well quit playing. Gamblers never end up rich, do they? Gamblers always end up less than what they started with. Why? Because they always go back. Verse 17, a wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings health. Verse 21, evil pursues sinners, but unto the righteous good shall be repaid. And then we've already read verse 22. Uh, the, the point is that just like, just like with Israel, remember Israel was captured by the Egyptians? You know, a new Pharaoh rose who did not know Joseph. And so he put them in slavery and made them work for hundreds of years. Uh, and then God sent Moses to get them out of there. So they escaped Egypt. But before they left Egypt, what did he do? He said, now you tell them to go knock on the, the doors of all their neighbors. Tell all these slaves, go knock on the doors of all their masters and all their neighbors. And, and it says, borrow goods. Basically, take everything they got. Take all the gold and the silver, get it all. We'll barrel this stuff out of there. And so they took all of the Egyptians' goods, all of their money, all their wealth, and left Egypt. That was wealth transferred from evil to righteous. Okay? But you have to recognize that actually follows God's business system. It's not just magic button, get, get rich quick. The Israelites had worked for that for 400 years. Don't expect to get wealthy without working, without being diligent, without following all the Proverbs that the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns around him. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Go watch how they work because a lazy man has nothing. So there's lots of Bible principles that help you succeed and get wealth uh, and it's all in my book. If you haven't read this book, uh, well, you need to. It's Prosperity's Seven Link Chain. I'm not really advertising it, but I did want you to know it's there because it's got the principles you need on how to actually succeed and prosper uh, in some other way than the Iraqi dinar. And it's called the Seven Link Chain because... There's more uh, principles necessary to succeed and prosper than just give money to the kingdom. That's one key link, but there's six others. And if you miss any of the links of a chain, guess what? You're not connected. We used to try to pull uh, our, our truck out of the mud when it got stuck. We'd use a chain sometimes. But if one of those links was weak or broke, you can't pull your truck out. Isn't that right? All links have to be there if you're going to have full prosperity. And so a lot of people are doing one pretty well, maybe two pretty well, uh, but there's seven in there. And one of them does have to do with work. It's actually number two. It's, the fa it's people's favorite one, work. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I like to read the book. Is it so good? It's like, oh, yes, this is really good stuff but you'll have to get it for yourself. Uh, and then part of, uh, turn with me to Matthew 17. Part of what people say is um, this end time wealth transfer is 
for souls. Well, that's, noble. that's a noble cause, sure. Uh, th- there is money needed in the kingdom of God for souls, absolutely. But let's not sensationalize things to cause it to happen. Let's just recognize the reality of how money does come to the kingdom. Uh, Matthew chapter 17 so, so let me, let me kind of clarify uh, or, or summarize for you. So you and I, the righteous, we can fully expect that if we've ever been done wrong, you can fully expect money to come back to you. Okay? That anything that's been done out of a bribery or usury, which would be exorbitant interest, interest like credit cards, I guess, Uh, Anything that's been done uh, wrong to you, you can expect God to make somebody repay somehow, okay? But let's not be sitting around thinking, you know, all the rich people are going to come down the street and give me their money. That's just not how it works. But that's how it's been preached. It gives people this false sense of something magical is going to happen to me one day. No, no. You need to find a way to, to get with God, be really happy and content right now. Rejoice in what is good. Continue to live your life fully. Uh, Be extremely productive in this world. Be generous in this world. Live your life unto God. Be content with what you do have. Fully expect the blessing and the glory and success from God in everything you put your hand to. But do not desire to be rich. And every time I throw that in there, people are like, what? Yeah, you cannot desire to be rich. Uh, well, I'll read that scripture in just a moment. It's from uh, what Paul said to Timothy. He said, he said, those who desire to be rich will fall into temptation and a snare and into many hurtful lusts that drown men in perdition. But pursue, flee those things and pursue righteousness and holiness. Flee the desire for riches and pursue righteousness and holiness and the things of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all the things are added. If you seek the things, you miss it all. So the motive for work is not riches. The motive for entrepreneurship or or business is not to get wealth. The motive must be something different. It must be something more, more noble. It must be that you're solving a life problem for somebody. It must be that you have an idea that seems so necessary to this life for somebody. I have a product I must get into the hands of people. I must go to work today so that I can serve and make life better for somebody. I don't care what your job is. You go so that that day, every day, you can make life better for those around you. That's a motive. I'm going to make a paycheck. That's not a motive. I'm going to get rich. That's not a motive. I'm going to start a business. I want to start a business so I can get rich. That's not a motive. If you have an idea for a hamburger shop, it's because you want to make the best hamburger. Oh, the juiciest hamburger. Oh, I just know people are going to love this. Just leave the I'm going to get rich out of it. It's the truth. It's like, you know, you study some of the wealthy billionaires, especially Christian ones, and you'll find like Bill Gates, you'll find that how did he get wealthy? How did he start? What motivated him? It was not money. He was just a nerd. He was just a nerd that wanted to make a computer run. 
He wanted to build an operating system. He just into it so much, he could probably care less about the money. One of the richest in the world. Was the richest for a long time. Warren Buffett, same thing. Has no concern for his own money. He's not after making money. He's after being successful in what he knows to do. He still lives in the same house he's always lived in, still, lives in, still rides in some old jalopy. Why, how, why is he so rich? It wasn't money that motivated him. It was the fact that he could buy and sell businesses better than anybody. It was the fact that he understood how to earn money for all of his shareholders. That's motive. Elon Musk, what's his motivation? Sure ain't money. Even if you're not rich, your, your goal to start a business or get successful or go to college should not be money. I know the difference how this feels. When I was a, a youngster, my thought was, I got to go get a degree so I can make some money. Now that I'm a believer, I realize I was a little off. Just, just you need to turn the dial one notch here so that your motive is something else. Because you, you want to make the world better. You want to be the best you can be at the, the call of God on your life, whatever it might be. Find the will of God. Put some effort into praying through for your life. Praying through what God has called you to do, what he wants of you now, what you can be effective at today. Pray that through. Take a step into that by faith. Get the grace necessary. Flourish in it. And then in five years, look around and see what your bank account looks like. That's how you want to live life. You don't want to be money-minded money chasers. You want to be prudent and wise, sure. You need to handle money right. You need to earn it right, spend it right, save it right, give it right, handle it right, invest it right. You certainly do, but you can't be money-minded. <clears throat> uh, okay, so Matthew 17, uh, this was going to help us know how money actually comes. I mean, it's kind of a humorous way to look at it, uh, but it, it maybe gets a point across. So Matthew chapter 17, verse 24, when they came to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? And he said, yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, from strangers. Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. At first glance, you just kind of miss that. Jesus is saying, who do the kings take taxes from? Their sons? Do the kings take taxes from their sons? No. Then the sons are free. Well, because we're sons of God, we're free from taxes. Now, don't run off into the woods. Because verse 27 is there. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, take the fish that comes up first, and when you've opened his mouth, you'll find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. What's he saying? He said, nevertheless, pay your taxes. But how did he uh, get the money? 
Go fishing. He made Peter go fishing. He made Peter go to work. That's what Peter did for a living. He fished. He didn't just, you know, pull it out of a hat and say, here's some money. That's not how God does it. God does not manufacture money. Let me say it again. God does not manufacture money. He does not magically create money for anybody. It started in the Garden of Eden. He put the gold in the river. Man had to get the gold out of the river. He put all the minerals in the dirt. He makes man get the stuff out of the earth. All paper money comes from, not trees, it comes from all the stuff God put in the dirt. God put all the wealth in the earth and it takes humans to work it out of the earth to have it. Got to work. So the conclusion is, if the church wants money, go fishing. If the kingdom of God is going to have extra income in these last days, it needs to go win souls. And part of it's just obvious. Until a sinner is saved, they give nothing to the kingdom. If you get them saved, they'll start giving to the kingdom. Again, that's not our motivation. Our motivation is not money. But just think about it. The only reason there's any money that ever comes into Houston Faith Church is because you got saved. I'm not expecting any sinner anywhere to give any money to any church anywhere ever until they get saved. So if there's going to be any sinner giving money to the just, it's going to be because they got saved. I'm not waiting on God to tap sinners on the head and make them give all their wealth to me. See, the, see how odd that sounds? I know because I didn't give any money to God until I wanted to be with him. Isn't that right? How much money did you give to God before you were saved? Zippo. Negative. You gave negative to God before you were saved. And so if we're talking about, okay, end times and money and okay, the church needs money and the kingdom needs money, we're going to use it for souls. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, let's get more people saved, and then sinners who are converted will then uh, have faith to give a portion of their heart to God in the realm of money. Does that make more sense? Okay. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Sure is quiet in here. I'm <clears throat> How many wish we would have done Romans chapter 8? Let me just uh, say a few more things, then we'll close up here. Uh, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. And this is why no matter how much money you do have, you never feel like you have enough. When you were dirt poor, you didn't have enough, did you? When you got some money, you still didn't have enough, did you? When you got a new car, you still didn't have enough money because you need a next new car. I'm, I'm doing the jokes tonight. <laughs> uh, 1 Timothy 6 says, now godliness, well, let's read that passage. Let's go to this one. We'll, we'll maybe end read, reading this one. 
uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, here's something from Deuteronomy. You'll see where you, you can tell that God was not talking about coveting sinners' money. He said, you'll burn the carved images of their gods with fire. You'll not covet the silver or gold that's on them, nor take it for yourselves, lest you be snared by it. So God is not at all for us coveting sinners' money. Amen. And that's what happens with this end time wealth transfer book selling business. It gets Christians all in an uproar, uh, expecting money from sinners all the time. First uh, Timothy six, that's what I quoted here, but the first Timothy six, verse six, now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Now stop there. Okay, now that's in the scripture. It's part of the Christian life. It's not the only time it's said. Do you feel that way? That having food and clothing, you're content? Okay, as a Christian, you read this, you're supposed to say, okay, now wait a second, am I content? Or do I have this uneasy frustration in me because I don't feel like I have enough? Okay, you got to be content as a Christian. It's okay to increase, it's okay to have abundance, but if you love it, it's not good. Well, I sure would rather be rich than poor. Well, why don't you zip your lips and read the Bible for a while so you don't talk like a sinner? It's just not a healthy attitude. It's the wrong attitude. When you become a Christian, you think differently. It's not even how you talk. You don't, that's, not, that's not a motive. That's not the point of your life. Uh, so you got to be content. So you just have to chill out. Everybody take a deep breath. And just say to yourself, I'm content. I'm, content. I'm, I'm totally content. I'm totally content. Godliness with contentment is gain. Making more money is not gain. Godliness with contentment. So if you'll, be, if you'll live a godly life and be content, you will feel like you've earned a lot. I remember, I remember the feeling. I remember the first time I felt this. I had left my career. I'd given away all my money. And, and I had started walking with God. And I felt so full. I didn't need anything. I wasn't pining away after anything. I was still working. I was still doing what I could in the will of God, but I felt so full. I gained by being godly and content with what I had. <clears throat> Verse 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. So that's what you're supposed to be laying hold of and fighting for is the fight of faith. And eternal life, the things that matter to God and for eternity, 
So this is your other half. First, it's be content with what you have and then make sure you're not pining for more. And you need to teach your teenagers and your children this too, that it's not all about money. And even the youngest children recognize the need for money and the value of money, and they will get greedy for money. Just try to take a $10 away from a, from a kid who knows what $10 is. This starts young. This greedy nature is starts in the, in the womb, <laughs> starts, in the, starts in the crib. Greedy nature starts in the crib. Wanting more money is greediness and covetousness, and, it, and it's supposed to not be in us. So, so you just have to you know, do a check to your own heart and say, where am I with this? And make sure on a daily basis that this does not move. These things aren't driving you to, to make a dumb decision or to get worried or to get scared or to get silent. Like I said, you need to, you need to get the truth in you so that you can say right things. Right. So you don't fall in the trap of, of poverty. Poverty has traps all around you, and it makes you be a pessimist. You know, the word prosper means uh, really to have hope. Pro- prosper is, a, is a, from, in the Latin, it means uh, pro, which is to be for something. And then S-P-E-S, uh, it means hope. To, it means to have a hopeful, hopeful outlook. Pros- prosperous means hopeful outlook. So you can't be a pessimist and be prosperous at the same time. So you need to check where you are pessimistic. So that's the grumbling about, you know, the month and I don't, I don't know, I don't know, we, we had a bad week, we had a bad month, I don't know if we're going, to, I don't know if we're going to make it, it doesn't look like it's, you better hush that. You better decide God will meet our needs this week and next month and the next and the next and the next. Everything's okay. I'm with God. Everything's going to work out. He'll, he'll supply. He'll fulfill. He'll fill. He'll, he'll make up for. He'll take care. He'll do. He'll do. Don't y'all worry. Don't y'all worry. Don't y'all worry. Don't even give consideration. Yeah, but, but reality says, I'm not talking about your reality. I'm talking about the reality from God's kingdom. You got to change the way. And that means you can't be looking at your bank account every day, logging in every day. You cannot be logging in your bank account every day. And every week, you can't be logging in your bank account to see. That's just proof you're not trusting God well. Remember the old days before you could log in on a computer, people would go to the ATM machine just to check the balance, check the balance, check the balance. And all that did was drive your balance down to nothing. Because every time you saw that you had $35, yes, you're like, well, how can I spend 33 so I can still have $2 left? That's just how, that's how poor people live. Poor people are always looking at the end of the barrel, focused on it, concerned about it, worried about it. So if you're going to be prosperous, you can't do the things you would do if you're worried. Like number one, worry. Look at... You can't look at the lack. You can't calculate how many days of the month are left. You can't penny pinch. You also can't overspend. Sometimes people over, overcompensate and overspend to punish themselves <laughs> or to punish their empty bank account with a 21% interest rate credit card bill. 
So you can't overspend. That's like a drug almost. It's like you don't want to do it. You shouldn't do it. You know you can't do it, but it sure makes you feel good for a half a moment. Those are poverty mentality. That's how poor people live. Where you, 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 you use, you're supposed to use credit cards wisely. Use debt wisely uh, to leverage yourself. Uh, use it so that you can, you know, but pay off every month. Don't be going into debt. Well, wh- you know, how much food can I eat this month? How much debt can I handle from these extra things I'm buying? No, don't do that. You need your credit card, though, so that you can have gas when you need gas and you don't have to call your friend. And then stay generous. So don't, don't get into this poverty mindset where you can't no longer give to people, to God. When's the last time you bought somebody else's lunch? Just try it. I know that you can't afford to do that every single day or week, but just try it once a year. And make sure you follow the principles. Praise the Lord. Listen, God, God, he expect, man, listen, he expects us to be content, full of joy, never worried. He expects us to never, I'm telling you as loud as I can, your heavenly father expects you to never worry about money. He's your father. What if your children were always worried about money? What if your children were always worried about food? It would just devastate you, wouldn't it? Especially if you could take care of them. Why would, why would they be worried? I can take care of them. It's devastating to the Father when we worry about basic necessities. So you can't worry. You must never worry. You just can't ever worry. So why are you worried? Why are you overthinking about money? He will supply. You will get the sale. You, you will get the client. You will. It'll work out for you. Amen. You you do the thing. You Amen. trust God. You go with in faith. God will take care of it. Make a plan. Plan to purchase the thing. Plan to create the thing. Plan to start the business. Take a couple steps toward the plan. Expecting this is a good thing. I'm expecting God to come through. Uh, And then as you put your foot down, you got to take the step and there will be nothing until you put your foot down and then God will supply and you'll see. And you'll have to build into your habits uh, a lifestyle of never worrying about money. Not just putting your head in the sand and, and ignoring reality of maybe some decisions you have to make and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Always trusting that God will come through. Never, ever worrying about the end of the week or the end of the month. It's a different way to live, isn't it? Some of you would smile a lot more. But he wants us to succeed. He, He built that into us. Christ in us allows us to succeed at everything. He's given us grace to accomplish something. Amen? He's even promised to bless us so you can have the blessing and you can have success and you can have prosperity and you can have wealth. You just can't want it. So you can't walk around thinking, I just want to be rich and I I want to get wealthy. No, no. You can be wealthy. You just can't want it. Your motivator must be, I'm living with God. I'm living up to the grace and the ability God's given me. 
and I'm going to be excellent. And if you'll be an excellent worker, you'll see success. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life, and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.